Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Long Live Rock and Roll podcast. As usual, your hosts today are myself, Mr. Laz Michaelides, and on the screen opposite me, Mr. Felipe Amorim. How you doing, bro? How you doing, man? All good here. And uh, hello, everyone. What are you up to yeah. today? Where are you? Uh, I'm in Islington, uh, London, in a kind of a new drum studio that belongs to a friend of mine, Felipe Drago. Oh, and cool. um, yeah, so you're, you're building out today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we did some proper uh, building work here, but now I'm just uh, I'm just waiting for a delivery here. And it's very echoey here. Uh, hopefully, the microphone is compensating for that. It's good. You sound good, man. Yeah, all good. Um, right, let's crack on then. Today is another album episode, uh, and we are doing the famous Rumours album by the band Fleetwood Mac. And Felipe was the person who chose this album. So, Felipe, do you want to start off by telling us why you chose it? What, what made you choose this one? Uh, because I wanted to upset the hardcore rock fans that listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> what are your? I mean, what are your initial thoughts? No, no. Uh, yeah, because listen, when, um, I mean, uh, the, the the hardcore rock fans would certainly go for a Peter Green era album, right? So, because because Fleetwood Mac completely changed from that like bluesy rock vibe into a pop band, really. Uh, with this album specifically, I would yeah. say. And, uh, and it's a different lineup, etc. So So um, it's it's a essentially a pop album. That's why I wanted it in the show. So what kind of pop music can be produced by a rock band? That's, that, that's why I think it's amazing. And obviously, it's a huge commercial success. It sold 40 million copies worldwide. So it Ten, is- 10 million in the first month. And first month, <laughs> insane. So it's still selling. It's an album that you can't ignore. You know, it's it's not like it's it's really important for the history of rock and roll. Although it's, as I said, in my opinion, essentially a pop album, a really well, good one. I think I think what I've learned. I mean, let me ask you first. Do you like the album? I do. You I do. Think it's, I think it's brilliant. Um, I'm I'm less I'm less. I keep saying when we do these albums, you know, I'm always there like, oh, yeah, you know, I got size. I really enjoyed this album, really enjoyed listening to it. This is the one actually where I've come away. And I just need to say, first off, it is a fantastic album, but it hasn't been my favorite. I could, I could easily, there are songs on it that I think are fantastic, but as an album, I could quite easily not listen to it again. But that doesn't detract from how good it is. And we're going to get into how good it is. But um, I think what you've said, is that it is actually a staple, hugely important album in the world of, and in quotation marks, rock and roll, because of what it stood for and what it did. And essentially what it did is that it was almost the transitional album from 70s rock into late 70s, early pop, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And if you think about the the grooves and the drum sounds, uh, they are kind of like a... a, a clear transition from from 70s to 80s you know that kind of vibe that kind of groove that you hear in this album you would hear you know throughout the 80s uh in every album so this one of probably one of the first albums with that kind of drum sound and that kind of uh vibe kind of funky groove you're right Uh, there's there's one sound um it was actually the song dreams um where the drums they're so and this what's crazy is that it's so it's so hold on before I talk about the drums, let me just give you the, the quick Laz's info. 
The album is Rumours, the band is Fleetwood Mac, it was released on the 4th of February 1977 and it was recorded between February and August 1976 across loads of studios in Miami, LA, Berkeley and Hollywood. Um, it's 39 minutes long, it came in on the Warner Brothers label and it was produced by Fleetwood Mac, Ken Cadillac and... Oh, hold on, that's wrong. That's been an autocorrect. I'll find that. I'll find that. <laughs> no, kind of like Kalat, I guess. That's it. <laughs> Ken Kalat. Bloody autocorrect. And Richard <laughs> Bashard. Um, but what I was going to say, so yeah, that's the info of the album. What I was going to say is that on the, on the second song on the album, Dreams, the drums sound so polished and so produced. For, but for 1977, it's quite well, odd. They spent five days trying to get the drum sounds at the beginning of the, the recording process. So uh, they, really? They, they were just they, tampering with it, finding the best scenario? Yeah. The, yeah, the first song was The Chain. It was probably one of the last to be finished. They started with the drum sounds, and, and, and the producer, uh, he thought he would get sacked because uh, they, they, they think we're clueless. We're spending so much time trying to get the drum sounds right. <laughs> so they think that we don't, we don't know what we're doing. But he had a, a concept. He had a, an idea about the drums, and he wanted to work on it. And he took his time. <laughs> yeah. And well, it does reflect on the overall quality of the production, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Um, sticking with the first song, Dreams, um, the whole song just really feels like a... Um, so I didn't mean the first song is as in it's the first on the album. I mean the first song we're talking about. It yeah. does feel just so hugely poppy, doesn't it? You've got the very produced drums, the bass. Again, it's played so well that it could. It, it sounds like it could have been um, sort of made on the computer. Um, you've got the the Kate Bushy style floaty vocals there. The guitar effects and the production on the guitar is also just so polished. This to me is such. A huge signifier of the kind of pop music you had to come in the 80s and they did it in yeah. 77 yeah exactly so obviously because the, the, the changes in the music industry they don't happen from from you know uh they don't happen overnight yeah so, so people are working on concepts and ideas and those things take over and they become the um the standard way of producing the standard way of playing or recording isn't it yeah. so yeah so they they probably they were probably one of the first bands to look for that kind of vibe and sound and yeah the vocals are a big part of it like uh obviously it, it, this this incarnation of Fleetwood Mac has nothing to do with the early version of the band's a completely different vibe completely different sound and I think as far as I know uh making a pop album was totally intentional they knew what they were doing and um but it, did, it didn't come easy it was like the, the, the band was going through like a really really uh difficult time in their personal lives yeah. You've got you got two couples in the band, and yeah, so both couples going through divorce, and you know it's really because this is just completely reflected in the lyrics, isn't it? Uh, you've got Christine and John McVie who are married, going through a divorce, and Stevie Nicks and Mick Fleetwood were together. That's right. Isn't no, it? no, 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 uh, not, not Mick Fleetwood. His drummer was uh, the singer guitar player, Lindsay Buckingham. So yeah. Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks were breaking up, and Christine yeah. McVie and John McVie were going through a divorce. And you've got this, you know, you, you and me have been in a band where there's three of us, uh, you know, and we get on, we got on really well. But even at the best of times on tour, 
you need some space. And that's why it's always nice when you get your own hotel room after a gig or something, because you just go back, you unwind, you put whatever you want on TV. If you want to listen to some music, you don't have to ask the other people, oh, is it okay if I listen to this? And you've just got your own space. So what I'm trying to say is that even in a functioning band, harmony, space, happiness, general good relationships is a must. So imagine being in a band trying to record an album when four out of the five members are going through breakups and with each other. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's it, how do you communicate? You know, it's it's really interesting because it sounds like a recipe for disaster. You know, how are you going to put an album together, write new music with people going through that kind of stuff? But um, that's where art comes from, isn't it? It's from from not only good times but conflicts, bad times. And uh, and and breakups. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of songs about breakups. Actually, the the mm-hmm. essence of the album is is breakup. But here's the thing: I, I see uh, the, I see this album as as uh, um, a collection of songs about breakups, resentment, uh, uh, betrayal. You know, uh, like love fading away kind of stuff. On the other hand, there is a there's a bit of um, Bit of hope for a better future as well. The song don't right about, that. about that. So that's it's kind of okay, you know. Um, shit happens. <laughs> Let's move on. And there's a, a few of the songs they reflect, uh, uh, you know, the the songwriters' um, good wishes for for you know the for for the other person. So it's 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 chaotic, you know, you know, in a sentimental way, really chaotic. And you have. I don't think there's hate, but there's there's resentment for sure. There's there's uh, that yeah disappointment, and it's all in there. And imagine going through all of that, and you're singing a song about your ex partner who is there with you, <laughs> and they know it's about them. <laughs> I watched I watched the um, so for those who know, there's the there's the classic album series. Um, I don't know who who produces it, but they're, they're just a series of shows where they go in depth on the classic albums and they talk to the producer, the band, and all that stuff. And I watched the one for Rumors yesterday, and it was fantastic because, the, I mean. They were saying that they just, you know, the, the two girls, Stevie Nicks and Christine McVie, were staying in one hotel and all the guys were in another hotel. And even in the studio, uh, which, uh, what was it? Christine McVie was saying, there were times where I'd walk into a room and John would be there. And I'd have, before I, before I even sort of finished entering the room, I'd say, hold on, this is uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to be here. Sometimes she went on into the room because maybe she had to record. And other times she left. She said, you know, what? I can't do this. So it is really staggeringly remarkable to me that an album like this was the result of so much tension within a band but as you said you can have you know sometimes out of bad stuff comes good yeah exactly and and i think there's a lot of professionalism there you know i mean like that hugely hugely you're right yeah like we need we need to produce something it's it's still work you know art is still work and you need to come out with an album and you're committed to do, and if if you're a true artist, you want your art to overcome all the issues, all the relationship uh, yeah. matters. E- everything that is there is like uh, not going well uh, shouldn't prevent you from make making good art. On the contrary, should yeah. be the 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 fuel for your for your art. And I think they did it in such a 
fantastic way. You know? Yeah. Before before we go into the songs, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, this is, and this is the part that shocked me because this is obviously Fleetwood Mac's statement album. I know you've said, actually, let's talk about the lineup quickly, just for those who don't know. You've got Lindsay Buckingham, who's um, lead vocals on most of the songs. Um and guitars throughout the album. Stevie Nicks was vocals and percussion. Uh, Christine McVie was vocals, piano and organ. John McVie was bass. And Mick Fleetwood was drums, tambourine, all that sort of stuff. So those are your five members. And as we said, uh, John and Christine were together. Stevie and Lindsay were together. And Mick was the drummer. Now, this is not the first incarnation because we know of Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac that came before. Actually, I don't know a lot about it, which is, about, which is what I'm going to ask you. The shocking thing for me is that this is their 11th studio album. And I can't yeah. think of any other band, any famous band, who took them 11 albums to make their masterpiece. And again, we know potentially that this, was, this wasn't intended to be their masterpiece. It just happened. But my question to you is... What is this album like in comparison to old Fleetwood Mac? For others, for others like well, it's, it's just, just heard this album and they don't know previous Fleetwood Mac, what's it like? Well, we, you've got to consider the only the only original member is Mick Fleetwood on on, on, on drums, right? And yeah. it's literally the only the only link with the original lineup. So I think uh, um, this incarnation of Fleetwood Mac is it's just like. Um, like late Genesis comparing to early Genesis. It's, it's not the same. It's, it's pretty much like the same band name, but not the same band, not yeah. the same style. And I don't think they actually wanted to be uh, um, associated with, with the past of the band. And right. Peter Green was an amazing blues musician, essentially, who, who, who managed to do that kind of blues rock vibe, who influenced uh, Jimmy Page. And, you know, it's like he's... It's got all that, you know, um, we used to play live all well, isn't it? And it's, did, yeah. it's got nothing to do with this with this band. So uh, in those cases, I think it's just um, for the sake of comparison, when Dio joined uh, Black Sabbath, for me, even by just changing the lead singer, that became a complete different band. And I think it's, it's in this case, it's not every, the, pretty much the whole lineup changed from the beginning so it's a different band i, I usually um, um say to people if, if you if you really like an early incarnation of a band and you love that lineup and you think that's the band you love and you don't like what happened after with the name so it's like just consider it as another band it's a different <laughs> band like like late pink floyd comparing to the, the sid barrett's era it's, it's not the same band really not they got different musicians you got different songwriting styles. So I think it's the same with Fleetwood Mac. I think there's, there's at least two different bands and you got to consider this as a uh, 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 another project with one it, member in common. Musically, how different is it? Is earlier Fleetwood Mac very bluesy and rocky? Yeah, very rock? bluesy. They, they used to do it. They used to play some some classic blues songs live and, and, and you can hear a, a, a bit of Zeppelin, a bit of that kind of uh, you know, early British rock um, in in their vibes. It's, it's just it's just not the same band. That's what I say. It's not the same, and that's what I'm saying. Like I wanted to upset the 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 classic rock fans because this is not classic rock. This is not uh, not maybe you can even argue that there's not even rock and roll in any sense. But I think uh, uh, what makes uh, this version of the band a rock band is the same thing that happened to Queen. Think about Queen when they became a pop band. 
uh, Queen is actually interesting because they didn't, didn't change the lineup to change no, the didn't. style. Yeah, it's the right. same four guys doing completely different music, and some people hate it. Some people said, oh, "I like Queen until the point they became a pop band." But, um, but the thing is, uh, uh, um, for me, it's equally as brilliant in the sense that you can still manage to produce music and create an album. So the eleventh album of a band should be maybe not their masterpiece. Because if you like the other, you know, uh, version of the band, you might not like this. Mm. But the, the the biggest commercial success, exactly, and that is something. It is the one they're now known for. Yeah, exactly, and that, and that's yeah, that's the there's a like really uh, iconic album cover that everyone knows. Uh, there's so many songs. I I got in touch with these songs first when I was when I when I moved to the UK, started playing gigs, and uh, some songs are obviously famous here. We're not famous for me so i had to learn uh dreams don't stop and the chain for one of my first gigs in the uk i was like wow three no. songs from this band and wow from the same album from the same album yeah exactly yeah, i played the gig there was a gig in St. Torbens, believe it or not oh. uh in, it's a, a pub gig and i was playing that, that uh, uh so shout out to the guys of folding stars really cool band i played with and so three songs from the same album so i better listen to this album and everyone was singing along so, yeah. like, everyone likes those songs. They, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. I think, uh, just one more thing about um, the overall idea of the album. I think the vocal harmonies are part of what make uh, uh, all those songs uh, sing-along songs. And, and, and parts. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, the producer said in an interview that, that, that sometimes it was really chaotic and they would interchange the, the, the melodies. Someone would uh, take over someone else's... Uh, uh, harmony parts and then and they would like try different stuff and they would have like arguments about it no you're wrong this doesn't sound good and then out of the blue boom, they would sing perfect harmonies and record in one take okay. and it was perfect That's lovely. <laughs> the um the harmonies is really interesting because i mean we we did we did that the van halen album um a few episodes ago and we were saying that you know for heavy rock music that was sort of the early stages of your hair metal you've got these perfect vocal harmonies, but what was interesting with them is it was just the singer who doubled and or tripled the harmonies. This, you've got three people all, like you said, interchanging. Sometimes you've got only the women, only Christine and Stevie. Other times you'd have Lindsay and Stevie, other times Lindsay and Christine, other times all three of them. And it's just really interesting because you sat there, right, yesterday, um, so... On Friday nights, me and my wife, we kind of do some listening. Like, we just pick a band and we just sort of listen to a bunch of songs, you know, get it up on the TV and just watch some videos. And a band called Mastodon, who are a heavy metal band, and they've got three vocalists. The the bass player and singer is kind of, he shouts and screams. The guitarist sings, but in a really weird, gruff voice. And the drummer sings in a very smooth voice. And it's so obvious to hear which is which in Mastodon. And we said this as well when we did the band, because you've got three very different vocals, or the band had four, all singing, and you can hear who's who. But with Fleetwood Mac, the, I'm not going to say at all their voices sound the same, but there was such a unity with all their voices. Um, yeah. You didn't know if it was Stevie or Christine. Even when, you know, Lindsay was singing the higher notes, Christine's, oh, is it whichever one of the women's got a slightly lower voice when she was singing lower notes and Lindsay was singing higher notes there was moments where you're like hold on wait hold on is, is that Lindsay or is yeah. it Stevie and they just come together so beautifully the harmonies don't they 
Yeah, and why would you give the highest part of harmony to, to the male singers? It's like they were like experimenting. Yeah. I think that that's a, a, a um, maybe that's what makes this album a rock album is the fact they were experimenting with stuff all the time. Yeah, I'd say that's Point. the most rock and roll element of the album. Like the, the, it's very experimental for a pop album, for an album with loads of hits. It's, yeah. it's kind of way too experimental for that kind of music. You know, that was the aim of the album. They said that the aim of the album was, or not the aim. Actually, no, they did say that that they were trying to make it so that each song could potentially be a single. Um, and I think you have that, don't you? Because yeah. They actually released four singles: "Go Your Own Way," "Dreams," "Don't Stop," and "You Make Love and Fun." So, but I believe any song in the album could be a single. And that was the aim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's get into the songs. Do you want to? Yeah. Any well, particular just, you want to start with? I I don't want to. I don't know if I want to talk uh, like song by song, but there's. there's no, I, no, we don't have to. But I, if there's any particular yeah, aspects you wanted to, no, talk I do. About. So the one thing I want to say, like to start with, secondhand news, the first, uh, the first song. It has kind of an acoustic guitar intro, but it's just the rhythm, and then just kicks off. Yeah, and and you have right away. I mean, after the first one, two lines of vocal, you have you have the harmonies. It's a very very strong melody that actually leads the song. The melody is the boss. And yeah, you've got although we talked about like the instruments and the experimentation, and all the yeah. stuff, but the melody is the boss, and you can tell that from the first song. And it's up tempo, loads of pop vibes. And you have that big feeling, isn't it? Got a bit of a country feel as well, don't you think? Yeah, Basically. yeah. Reminds yeah. me of that song. Uh, was it Umbop by Hanson? <laughs> no, you know the one. Ooh, that's a connection that I would <laughs> never, never think of. <laughs> as as usual, guys. Uh, any song we mention will be in the playlist in the show notes below. But you know me, man. I just hear. I, all we I have, have Hanson and Fleetwood Mac. On all the I have to hear that... is one bar of guitar, and my my ears they just hear. Oh, that sounds like this, and I just pick them out. You know. <laughs> But it's quite funny. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things about this because it's there's a kind of for me there's a bittersweet kind of feeling because the lyrics are somehow sad, but the melody is happy. I uh, think it's quite common throughout the album, isn't it? There's yeah. a few songs which could be. I mean, let's have a look. Um, Don't stop. Now that's quite oh, yeah. a, a happy song. It kind of reminds me of. Um, not not literally sounding, just the vibe of it and the happiness. It kind of reminds me of the Beatles and like getting better. Just a really yeah. happy up tempo song. Don't stop. You know, it's getting better. That was the Rubble. first. That was actually the first song I've heard from this album when I was learning uh, for a gig. But it's just, I think, it's the most uplifting song in the album. And yeah, and I I really like their approach to the past. Think about this. This line, yesterday's gone. I, I just, I love this. I mean, because yeah. uh, um, we all tend to use the past as a source of, uh, uh, um, I don't know, reflection and 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 a way to prepare for what's coming. And in this song, that is a, is a really, really uh, a strong uh, statement. Like, forget about the past. Yesterday's gone. Was it, is it, it don't stop thinking about tomorrow? Is don't that stop thinking about tomorrow. Like, don't even give yourself a chance to think about the past. Yeah. And I, yeah, because they were all struggling emotionally. And think about as, as you know, as a listener at the time when the song came about, and you're like, yeah, my life is a bit hard now. You know, what do I do? But it's only hard if you think about yesterday, where you are now. Yeah, it's a different. It's a different 
time a different place. You can do something else. And don't stop thinking about tomorrow. It's really hard, isn't it? How don't you think about the past? But it's it's that's the message. Like let's let's uh, have hope in the future and actually don't look back. Just keep looking forward. Keep like uh, uh, stay focused and you know do your thing and be happy. You know, and it's I think maybe it's a message to, to themselves. You know, uh, uh, I. I, I see this as, as a rock and roll song, this one, I think. And it's it's a shuffle. The producer said he struggled a little bit because he never recorded the shuffle. So um, <laughs> so the shuffle is a swing feel, uh, you know, yeah. for, for those who are not used to the term, which is common in jazz and blues. And uh, loads of rock bands use shuffle feels in songs. And I think it's the only shuffle in the album. I might be mistaken, but I believe it's the only one. And it, which makes it completely different from the rest of the album in that sense. Is a is a is, is a much more swung kind of vibe, and I, I love I love the, the 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 very first verse. If you wake up and you don't want to smile, if it takes just a little while, open your eyes and look at the day. You will see things in a different way. What a great way to start lyrics for a song. Really beautiful. Very hopeful, isn't it? Yeah, I, that, that's it. And I think if you if you don't want to have a bad day after after listening to this album, if you want it to be positive, go back and listen to this song after you finish that. Listen <laughs> yeah. to the song again. And like this is the one. It's funny because this this seems. I mean, I wrote something down. Um, let me just find it. This is what I can't. Uh, who said this? I think it was Stevie Nicks who said this in in that show I was watching yesterday. She said. We were writing songs about one another. We were writing journals and diaries about each other. And I think you've got all these songs here, some with some hope, saying, listen, things aren't good now. We're going through some tough times. Love may be gone, but there's always tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Let's move on. And then you've got songs um, like Go Your Own Way which is just like this just blunt it's like it's not philosophical as in ah you know leave the past behind move on it's like you go your own way let's yeah, let's, like, let's do this now <laughs> and you've got these different songs with varying degrees of emotion and pain within them but like i said and i'll say it for a third time some of them are philosophical okay we're, we're having this trouble now but leave the past behind let's move on and others which is just like we're having trouble ah, fuck off go your own way <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So you, you have all sorts of uh, uh, approaches to, to breakups in, in, in those lyrics. So you have the, the positive stuff and you have the, oh, can't see your face again kind of stuff. Yeah. Go Your so Own Way is a great song, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is another one. Uh, just one, one thing about um, Don't Stop. Um, yeah, oh yeah, please carry on. I, yeah, so this, this uh, maybe we can make a quiz out of this. Can I make a quiz with just one question? Go for it, fine. So, uh, Here we go. Felipe has a quiz. Which American president has used this song as his theme song for a campaign? Oh, so he, he is a president, so he got he, to he be became president. yeah he he won and he used the the song. Well, so I've, got, I've got any president between nineteen seventy seven and now. Um, yeah, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. Could it be Obama? No, was no. Bill Clinton. Clinton? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. that? Was there any, he, he won, that was in 1992. And when um, 
1993, when he became president, they played at his inauguration. They got that lineup back together. Ah. They played for the first time together in a decade. So, yeah. That's crazy because, you know, it, it's funny to hear that. I mean, they probably support him, right? Because, you know, who was it? Um, oh, I can't remember. One of these. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, sometimes, yeah sometimes politicians they just, you know, grab a song, say, I'm going to use this. And then yeah. musicians get really upset. And don't want to. I, I personally would would never like to see a song. If I if I had a, a hit song, I would never want to be associated with a politician because imagine you, you might support someone and they get there. And after they get there, they start to. They start doing things that you don't like, like <laughs> dropping bombs in some some country. You know? and your like, arm is tight. I, I was like, yeah, exactly, and I support <laughs> that guy. So, but anyway, it's it's a historic fact, and it's uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. You know, talking about "Go Your Own Way," do you know what was really interesting yeah. is that um, "Go Your Own Way" is the fifth song on the album, and it is for me the first rock song of the album. You got that guitar, the dun 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 dun, dun loving you, and that's the first time of the album you've got these. You've got an electric, dirty, heavy rock guitar starting off, which is more closer to the old Fleetwood Mac. And I know we said they're two different, yeah. things, but interesting, isn't it? That this is the first and potentially only out and out rock song. Maybe, yeah, maybe isn't that like the kind of old Fleetwood Mac? Well, obviously because the drums are. Really big in the song. The drums are so so much freer compared to Dreams, where, like I said, they were quite tight and produced. On this song, they're so free. The fills that go through it are just amazing. Oh yeah, and 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 Mick was trying to replicate the Rolling Stones kind of vibe because someone suggested them. He couldn't quite make it, and he came up with something else, and that became the groove of the song. Mm -hmm. And I think is the the most creative drum uh, uh, drum parts in general in the whole album. And, and it's I, a really busy bass line as well. I was just going to say that. I, I The <laughs> same thing you said for the drums, I say for the bass. Because, again, just comparing it to the poppier songs, like Dreams, um, what was the other one? Uh, you Make Love in Fun. Um, these are very much the pop, heading into that 80s pop uh, era. And then you've got this song with the bass. You know, dun, dun, you can go your own way. Do, 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 just playing all the fills everywhere. And melodic bass lines interspersed in between the drum fills and the guitars. This is rock and roll. This is, I love it. This is my favorite song on the album. I I think I've played this song in a wedding, which is quite funny (laughs) for a wedding. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Loving you isn't the right thing to do. That's the first lyric. (laughs) Exactly. It wasn't the first dance, at least. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) That would be a disaster. Yeah. But it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's one of those. I mean, um, I I like the, 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 I think the guitar solo is, and here's the thing about the guitar solos. They are, in my opinion, maybe again, I, I, I'm contradicting myself now. I'm, I'm finding so many elements of rock music every time I start talking about it. You well, know, they the are guitar there, solos they? are very rock and roll, aren't they? The guitar solos are all yeah. melodic and dramatic. They're there. The, the rock <laughs> elements are there. They're very, yeah. they're sort of subtly in there, aren't they? They are, exactly. And, and, and um, I think the, the, if you are a rock musician, you can't just um, kill your rock and rollers. Yeah, I'm going to put just switch off. You can't kill spot. your rock and rollers. Yeah, and 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 you have that. You know, I said the dramatic kind of guitar solos are, are there all the time, distorted and dirty sometimes, and I like that. It 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 it, it, it does make sure 
the album has that minimum amount of rock and rollness. And uh, his another thing about this song was was written by Lindsay Buckingham and. Um, and Stevie Nicks said that was the hardest song for her to sing live because he he was saying, you know, go your own way kind of stuff. And she didn't really like that. <laughs> she she did that she, well, she said she didn't like, uh, uh, um, there's, there's a quote from her. He saying, I very, very much resented him telling the world that packing up, uh, shacking up or shaking up? Uh, with Shacking up, yeah. Shacking um, up, sorry. So packing up, shacking up with different men was all I wanted to do. So packing up, shacking up with different men. So like, yeah, he doesn't say that. So, packing up and shacking up are there. And and she was like, no, that's that's not, she said this, he knew it wasn't true. It was just an angry thing that he said. Every time those those words would come out on stage, I wanted to go over and kill him. <laughs> well, that's interesting because what I read on that, what I watched on that, um, on the show yesterday is that, and again, I feel I, I was quite tired yesterday, so I didn't take it all in. So that's why I was confused between Mick and Lindsay. But I think Lindsay said that Stevie Nicks was having an affair with his best friend. All right. And that seems to be the basis for what he wrote this song on. And from what you just said about what Stevie Nicks said, if she says it's not true, I mean, only her, Lindsay. Well, the, the, the thing is, I, I, I don't think she's denying she was seeing people, but she was like, I'm not just doing this out of fun. I'm looking for something. You know? so, Good so, point. Good but yeah, point, I think yeah. what she says, like, it's not fair to just criticize someone like that. And when you make it in form of music, <laughs> and it's, and if, are you singing with the person, with the person by your side? It's like, and if, insane, and, and if, isn't it? And if, Steve, <laughs> if, if Stevie was right and actually she wasn't just go, you know, having affairs for the sake of it and she was in love with this other person, then you can't, well, just say just to about it. you can't say to <laughs> Lindsay though, listen, Lindsay, change the lyrics, please, because you're wrong. <laughs> It's like the lyrics just, are stuck. Cause, cause, yeah, because the fans, they loved it. And I think that's that's the beauty of music. Uh, once you write a song and, and and put it out, it becomes something else for the listener. Yeah. But for, 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 you know, for a rock fan or, or, or Fleetwood Mac fans, like, what a great song. I just want to sing along and have a good time. Yeah. And and it's I, that, that that's what I think about. That's why I think the, 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 the melodies and the vocal harmonies are are probably the main thing uh, about the album because they make every kind of painful lyrics sound uh, um, uplifting in a certain way. But at the same time, you've got to think, I mean, I was listening to an album the other day by a band called Korn, who, uh, and the album was called The Nothing, and he wrote mm-hmm. the whole album, Jonathan Davis, on the, off, off, on the back of his mother and ex-wife dying within six months, I think. And he t- he said that he wrote the album in such pain. And he said, you know what, my musical expression, he went into the studio, had a breakdown, hit record, and the end of the album is just him sobbing and weeping. And it's quite dark and scary. But my point is, is that since that moment, the, the corn I've been listening to, I haven't really heard or can't think that I've heard an album where it must be so emotional for the person performing to get their art onto a record. And I just, sorry, that doesn't sound like that makes sense. He went into the studio and did his crying because that's the, that was his outlet. Yeah. But these guys, they're singing about each other whilst recording 
that must be really hard emotionally. Yeah, and it's it's. Uh, I imagine that it, one of the reasons why you write songs is because you need to kind of get rid of those feelings. You just need to yeah. put them out. And uh, the problem is when when an artist does that, you 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 will never ever forget that feeling because it's recorded and it's out there for everyone yeah. just to 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 listen to. And I think yeah, and and um, isn't it why we listen to music as well we want we want emotion we want like and that's that's a big thing about rock music because uh loads of what is produced nowadays uh without being specific about anyone but there's loads of uh, bands and artists that they they doing commercial music really well done really well played well sung but intentionally commercial with nothing else there's no layers there's no real feelings just like yeah. i'm just gonna sing I'm not saying that this only happens nowadays. It always happened, you know, uh, throughout the, the, the history of, of music. There's been music but, for the sake of music yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I want to do something commercial. I want to do something that's going to sell millions of copies, and I'm going to sing someone else's lyrics that their producer wrote for me, and I have no emotional connection to that. There's loads of people doing that. And uh, what is brilliant about this album? Can you make a huge commercial success with sing-along songs? about feelings that are actually real. Mm. And this, this is brilliant. Talking, yeah, talking about, um, you, you mentioned, we, we started about Go Your Own Way, and you um, you said how hard it must have been and how hard they found it to perform live. Another one like that is on, from this show I watched yesterday is the track number six, which is Songbird, um, which is just Christine McVie sitting at the piano and playing and singing this song. And John McVie said that, listen, I never told Christine, but... I used to I used to be at the side of the stage. The, the the band used to clear off. She used to play the song on the piano. He said I used to stand at the side of the side of the stage and just bawl my eyes out every night. And that's a beautiful song. That one. It's got a real kind of seventies singer songwriter feel about it. It really reminds me of um, the song Tapestry by Carol King, uh, kind oh, of right. Jackson Brownie as well. So again, I'll chuck a couple of songs in the playlist for you guys to hear. But that's a lovely song as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's. Uh, um... I don't think they, they they got it wrong in, in any part of the album, really. Like uh, 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 with with um, with kind of arranging and 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 getting to a final product, because that that's the thing, though. Even let, let's say you think one of the songs in this album is not like, oh, that's not great. Yeah, or it's not the best lyrics or not the best melody. But then is where production plays a really big role because everything in the album is extremely well produced yeah. in my opinion you're right and it's, it, and it's and it's uh, uh you know hats off to the whole production like to to, to everyone who was involved with production because it's it's not it's not that easy to get a perfect sound in every single song of an album and that's that's a big and, and, and I, yeah big thing and i thought uh, what i said at the beginning it's, it's it's very experimental which makes things a lot harder but it is damn near perfect, isn't it? I mean, the, yeah. the album is incredible. Yeah, just just one thing about I was something about the production, like the song "Dreams." Um, they they've managed to capture the the feeling, like uh, uh, in such a way. And I've, I've everyone everyone knows those vocals, you know, that the, the tone of that voice, the, the softness of that voice, and I've, oh, you know, probably Stevie Nicks' most brilliant moment maybe in her career, singing that song. There's an interesting story about it. Uh, she used to be quite bored with people doing the technical stuff. She was in Egypt, like when people like trying sounds and, you know, uh, changing cables, whatever. And then she was like, you know what, I'm going to, 
uh, I'm going to go find a piano to play. And um, they were, they had, um, Sly Stone had a studio there, or they had a room, the, the label had a room there in the studio for him. And uh, as he wasn't there, she went to 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 play uh, um, piano or a Rhodes or some sort of keyboard. And uh, and she, she just went and, and started playing. And then she walked into the room and said, listen, I've just written this song and I think it's really good. And it's like, right, so let's do it then. And then she recorded the guide vocal whilst playing the roads and the band was playing together, whatever. And the guide vocal is the vocal you have in the song because she really matched that performance. Wow. And the producer was like, oh my God, I wanted to do a better version of this because there's a bit of... Uh, drums coming into the microphone. You know, when you're recording a guide track with everyone played together, it gets a bit messy and then you need to record one instrument at a time. So he wanted just the vocals, like to be a, a clean take. Sometimes she was singing uh, like really, really soft and uh, and he, the producer wanted like, just like clear uh, um, vocals and one vocal take, just vocals. But she couldn't but match it. She couldn't. She couldn't match that that initial guide vocal performance, and Fantastic. it's beautiful. It's, it's it's so cool to know that that's what's in the album. It Maybe is. someone's first uh, uh, interpretation of their own music. How cool yeah. is that? Well, it's good because it's raw, isn't it? It's emotional. You get the yeah. first the, the way they want. Because any artist, you know, I think they'll always know how they want it to sound from the start. And to get that as down as a guide vocal, you know, but songs can change. You and me both know, we've been in the studio plenty of times through our lives that you come with an idea and then there's changes, whether it be a riff, a melody, a song, I don't, you know, cut this verse out, do that, do this instead. But she got what she wanted from the original down onto the guide vocals. They didn't change anything about the song and she couldn't replicate it because it was just so good, which is great, isn't it? That's another kind of experimental thing, you know, like yeah, yeah, using the guide vocals. Yeah, using guide vocals as the final take. But imagine, you, you need to have that uh, uh, perception of, of what is a good performance. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't think any modern producer of record label would accept guide vocals as final vocals. For <laughs> not, this, no, not these days, would they? Yeah, because there's that, that, that aim for perfection. And that, again... Okay, here's me contradicting myself, contradicting myself again. Isn't this really rock and roll, the fact that you allow imperfections to be part of an album? Do you know what? There is a part I have written. Ah, here we go. Um, track nine, I Don't Want to Know. Mm-hmm. Is it just me? You tell me as a drummer. I feel like he is speeding up. He speeds up quite a bit during the song. Oh. Um, it's probably something for you to have a listen to after. it. But, but even if he doesn't speed up, it feels like he does. Because I feel like I'm going, I don't want to know. And then the next verse is, I don't want to know. Not double time, but it just feels like it slowly edges up like by a BPM or two. Every BPM, for those who don't know, is a beat per minute. So uh, it just gets faster and faster. And I've written here, imperfections are the best drums speeding <laughs> up. So I, even if he doesn't speak, even if by the by the grid it's perfect, oh, it sounds like he's speeding up, and I love it because it, it probably is. Room. I'm going to have a listen again, but it probably is because it's a, a it's another tempo song, isn't it? Yeah, kind of, and uh, and it's really really easy to speed up if you're not playing to a click track, which I exactly. doubt they were because I think that that's that wasn't a yeah. thing late seventies. People were not recording to click track. It's so. funny because the, the difference between what I just said, the p- potential imperfections of I don't want to know, and the literal perfections of dreams where the drums are just so tight. Dun, 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 and they don't, it doesn't feel like they ever 
wander off the path on dreams whereas i don't want to know it, again they could not be sped up i just thought it was and i loved it um, well if you have that that if you've got that feeling by listening to it there's some element of it in there that it's got yeah. to be there's always yeah. it, it might just oh, there's be, always um, imperfection it might just be stevie nicks on the tambourine maybe she's like just doing a little too fast or something who knows but it just sounds yeah. great um talking of the experimental side of the production the last two tracks of the album are quite interesting because there's a lot of experimental stuff happening i mean the final track track 11 gold dust woman um it's only when i was watching this show yesterday and the, what they do on this show is fantastic because they get the original producer and they get him on these 25 track mixing desk and he pulls nice. things in and out he goes right we're going to take everything out and he goes listen here we've got a harpsichord for those who don't know it's an old style piano where um the strings so for those who don't know what a piano is a piano when you hit down the key a key inside the piano pushes down on a string and you get the noise with a harpsichord the string is plucked and it's very famous the harpsichord for being in baroque music i'll put a piece of johann sebastian bach in the playlist so you can hear how a harpsichord sounds you've got fender Rhodes, which is one of these new kind of synths that were coming out in those times and you've got all of these instruments building layer upon layer and he's pushing up all these instruments and you can't really identify them individually the track because it's been mixed so well but yet very experimental techniques here i mean i know the beatles were doing it 10 years earlier putting the sitar into pop music of that time but again you know we, we've got a, an album that has its roots in rock country folk and together it's kind of becoming this pop music but using classical harpsichord and an indian dobro <laughs> yeah, uh, check it out. Dobro, I think it's a kind of acoustic guitar. Um, not quite sure. Is our, this, yeah, this, our, yeah, yeah, have a look. It's it's, it's cool. We do, we do it on the spot here. We don't. If I'm not sure about something, check. You're it right. Out. Yes, it's like a steel, yeah. a steel. It's a steel guitar. guitar. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? It is. Yeah, is no, the one, it's, is it's the, the one that people use usually play with is light you're uh, right yes i don't know why I thought it was an indian instrument maybe i've got that mixed up but yes it's like a steel guitar and you hear the slight yeah. sound over it yeah exactly um, so that's it yeah so those yeah so which is not i mean all rock musicians who have folk and country influences they might use the dobro for for uh some stuff but it's still not that common in rock music but again that's being experimental but the thing is is it's the context because there are a few tracks here which i thought were quite had a southern rock vibe to it um which ones did i do um the the chain to an extent at some oh, yeah. point oh daddy i think that was it track 10 oh daddy had this kind of southern rock grimy you know where you'd expect to hear the the dobro but didn't didn't hear it very much in the or, or sorry it, the gold dust woman does have that southern vibe and i wonder if that's yeah. what dobro brings to it yeah Again, just experimental instruments experimental sounds and fantastic production and it's, it's quite different yeah. in, t- in, in terms of songwriting and, and even the arrangement this is slightly different from the other stuff but but the album has a unit in terms of um the overall sound that's what yeah. that's what i'm saying the production does, does does the job um there's there's an interesting just a curiosity about uh the experimentalism in the studio uh the song never going back again uh the producer um asked the guitar text to restrings the guitar every 20 minutes so wow. they would they were doing uh, uh um, different things he wanted he said i wanted to get the best sound on every note of his picking parts 
So when I was playing the guitar, he wanted like a really clean uh, neo guitar string vibe for yeah. the song. So you every time they do a take, yeah, every time they do a take, they restringing the guitar, and the guitar techs wanted to kill the producer, as as I imagine. Oh yeah, just change the strings again. We're going to do another take. This <laughs> is like <laughs> that's, that's attention to detail, isn't it? Like oh, a, it is. And you think about uh, one more thing, what they did with the chain. It's like we we trying to find, you know, the perfect song, trying to come up with this really, really masterpiece, uh, uh, this, this kind of amazing, complex uh, piece of music. But it took them nine months to finish the song. It was the first song they started working wow. on. And then it took them all the way to the end of the, the, the recording process to actually do this, the the song the way they wanted right. and uh they were changing rearranging parts all the time and what again this is the rock and rollers coming up again they were coming up with uh loads of stuff on the spot it sounds like a lot of this album was written in studio with them jamming together coming up with ideas trying things out recording re-recording yeah. and one of the reasons that the song is called the chain is because they were connecting parts that were written uh-huh. separately that's one of the reasons. Clever. And some people claim that the chain uh, is the uh, um, is about the fact that there was still something connecting those people uh, through a time of crisis, of personal crisis, and the chain is that, that feeling that connects. <laughs> yeah, literally connecting them all uh, and keeping them together uh, uh, in order to keep producing music and playing music. So it's okay. it's a really, really strong... Uh, uh, there's, there's, there's loads of layers of meanings to that, and it's a really, really strong song. And that bass line that happened at the very end of the song when you have a, a completely different part, double tempo part, with the bass leading the song, that bass riff, again, was written on the spot. Oh, really? Oh, so, yeah. John McVeigh and I was, was playing, and um, and he just played that riff, and they said, oh, that's it. Shall iconic, it? isn't it? That? Yeah, it's like iconic. And whatever bass player should know that, you know. And how many, again, just a quick, nothing, you don't have to answer, it's kind of rhetorical, but how many most famous riffs of all time are on a bass compared to a guitar? Not many. Oh, yeah, not many. And this is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Iconic, the bass leads. And I think that's, again, a very uh, uh, um, very cool way of doing something. Because some, you could have just transferred that riff to the piano or guitar, say, oh, well, yeah, oh, nice riff you came up with, let's do this on a piano. And I said, oh, no, no, that's that's a bass riff. That's yeah. a kind of a bassist kind of vibe and approach. Written and the, for the, the bass, the, yeah. the, the tone of the bass is perfect. The levels of the bass on the mix are perfect. And his, his, his performance is just perfect as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it deserves to be iconic. <laughs> it yeah, deserves exactly. to be. He, um, you mentioned before, Never Going Back Again. That's I think that's my favourite song on the album. I think it's lovely. It really reminds me. It's very folky, very acoustic. It reminds me of um, Bron Year by Led Zepp and going, uh, going to California by Led Zepp as well. Um, just that lovely stripped back vocals, guitar, very simple. And it, it's really nice. Um the other thing, it's not the last time I'm going to mention Led Zeppelin because you know track eight, You Make Loving Fun. You know that yeah. synth bass that's there really reminds me of Trampled Underfoot by Led Zepp off Aha. Synth Graffiti. But that's because yeah. they're using the same kind of synth bass. Um, so I'll put that song in the playlist and you have a little listen. And that song, You Make Loving Fun, again, you got you got hints of um, 80s funk creeping in there. You know, so. Loads of it. There's an interesting yeah, there's... littered across this album, isn't there? Just little hints. Not like one song is a funk song, one song's a country song. Just little hints from their previous ten albums 
not saying any of their 10 albums were funky, but they've taken everything they've learned from previous, potentially, you know, I know it's not all the same band members, but you're just hearing subtle little directions in this album of different styles, different influences, different inspirations, and make overall a, a pop album. But isn't that funny? Because pop means popular. Popular, yeah. And they've it's... taken the most popular aspects from funk, exactly. the synth, most popular aspects from folk, the acoustic guitar, and they've made it poppy. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a word. pop song, and, it's, and, and there's a native funk vibe, as you said. And there's, uh, do you know, the, the, a couple of um, curiosities about the, the the recording of this song, um, the clavinet is it's connected to a wah wah pedal. So it's a guitar know. pedal, and you need to step. Well, obviously, if 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 you know what wah wah pedal, you know you need to step on the pedal with the rhythm you want uh, uh, for 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 the riff, and it's going to kind of uh, change the, the the song, the sound. And uh, so it's a, <laughs> a keyboard connected to a guitar pedal. And the, the interesting thing is, Christine couldn't play the the keyboard part and 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 play the pedal at the same time. She found it really hard to do. So Mick went there with his. Uh, uh, he went. He went down on his knees and was uh, uh, pressing the pedal whilst she was playing. And it's, it's how cool is that you have the drummer there, like pressing the pedal yeah. with his hand, uh, and the, and the keyboard player doing the riff and going. And it's just because they wanted a particular sound, and yeah. uh, with the the technology at the time, you need to figure out how you're going to get that sound. Yeah. So. Guitar pedal plus clavinet. That's great. Uh, it's another. Sorry, go on. One, one more song. One more thing about this song. The drum fills were played by by Lindsay Buckner. Who? Uh, by Lindsay Buckner. Oh, really? By, not by Mick. Oh, because right. he he didn't. I think he didn't. Either didn't agree with the ideas that Lindsay had for the um, for the fills. Oh, I wanted to play some accents on the tom like this, and he was like, oh, he either couldn't make or couldn't. Uh, find that sound, or, or 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 he didn't like the idea, so Lindsay went there himself and played the tom So there's, I think, there's overdubs of the the drum fills on top of the wow. groove. So that's it. You know, you go and do, you know, you do whatever is necessary in order to reach the sound you want. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I think that's a good place. You know, I think we've um, we've covered it all there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do my little monologue now, and then I'd like you to sort of respond to what I say and tell me your thoughts yeah. on it. Um, because it's the first time, like I said, I'm not I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it that I'm not I'm not crazy about this album, but there's a lot of interesting stuff about it. So I'll just do my thing now. Um, so my thoughts on the album. I thought it was an okay album, but I certainly don't think it is among the best albums ever written. But nonetheless, it is a really interesting album, really well made and very pleasant in some places to listen to. It certainly feels like a transitional album from 70s rock and roll into 80s pop. You've got the vocal harmonies, you have synths and the keyboards mixed with the guitar riffs and the rock rhythm sections, as well as the tiny hints of folk, funk, country and southern rock. Each song, you can tell, has just been carefully thought out and intricately written um, with the idea that each song could be a single. But this is where I feel personally that it is a little disjointed. And the band have actually said this album is disjointed. For me, the songs don't gel or flow from one into the other, and it doesn't entirely feel connected. And I think for me, that sums up not just the album, but a bigger picture, which is 
that the relationships and place that this band were in at this stage, emotionally all over the place, four members breaking up and divorcing with each other, you know, they couldn't even live together or be in the same room in the studio. Um, and the band have actually said that this was, and this is a quote, a tremendous emotional sacrifice for all of us. And I think that it is a testament to the excellent musicianship the brilliant songwriting and the talent of this band that they that they were able to make such a great well-renowned album at, during such a miserable time of their lives but as we said at the start maybe that was the key to creating this great piece of art well said well said bro all of this i mean i i <laughs> i couldn't well, have the, said it better one but... difference is that you like the album and i mean I, listen exactly, i think it's really good and there's places so gone no, you don't necessarily need to uh, be a big fan of an album or a band to appreciate how good it is. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just because I'm not going to listen to this again. Well, I'm sure I will one day. And like I said, go your own way. Fantastic. I would put that on. And I, actually, there's a few songs I would say, oh, do you know what? I fancy listening to uh, Never Going Back Again today. Or I fancy yeah. listening to The Chain. I don't feel like I'll ever say, oh, I want to listen to The Whole of Rumours today. And that's what I mean by I feel it was a little disconnected. But again, that does not take away from the fantastic achievement that they've put out. It is a great album. There's an interesting thing that when you said the album's just disjointed, I think the last thing I want to say about this is like, how can that um, kind of chaotic collection of songs become an album? And yeah. where where is the connection between it? Or how, how how can you call that one piece? And I think it's because of the chain, right? It's because of that feeling. What connect? There's this. Hold on, sorry. Things. Do you mean sorry? Do you mean the song, the chain, or the metaphor, the chain? Both. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. Go on. Sorry. Go on. The explain. Chain, the chain is what keeps it together, right? So exactly how the how the song says. So what makes that collection of songs and album for me is the chain, which is the feeling of of uh, 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 the feeling behind the songwriting, which is pain, breakups, you know, wanting to move forward. All those songs have that in common, although the arrangements are not the same, the the, the vibes and the songwriters are not the same. But what connect that the chain that 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 connects the uh, the album for me is the fact that you have artists willing to produce art regardless of how much they suffer in their personal lives. Yeah. And so that, that chain, that, that uh, willingness to produce something is part of the chain that keeps the band together. Plus their creativity kept them together. Plus their musical, uh, musical abilities, plus the, uh, the capacity of working, the ability of working together regardless of any external issues that must have been such a huge, it must have taken such a huge toll on their mental health, their mental well-being, to be in a place where they were not comfortable for weeks. When did they record this? Uh, fe February through to August. That's yeah. a couple of months, six-ish, of being in a place where you're not comfortable. Yeah, and I think think about uh, the, 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 the fact that Again, the chain was the first thing they started doing, but they didn't quite finish and they kept doing. So I think it's that that feeling of um, kind of unfinished business that you you're trying to uh, you try to get your own pieces together emotionally, yeah. but you're doing stuff. And I, I think it does send a really a really interesting message, 
we talk a lot about mental health and stuff. It's really, really, really hard to produce something. It's really hard to work. It's really hard to do whatever you need to do when you're going through uh, a difficult uh, period of your life and going through like some sort of uh, mental crisis or any any mental health issues. But it's still possible. And if you That's find the and if you find the will and the strength to push through. You can find, as this album shows, incredible results on the other side. Yeah, isn't it brilliant? Are we getting Fantastic. more philosophical as we? As we I know, I know, we always do, don't we? <laughs> but, um, I think this is a good place to leave it. I mean, like we said, yeah. we, I don't think we were ever going to go in depth about the musical aspects of the songs. It's just this album; it's the content and the lyrics and the thematical and the the themes of the album that is what matters. Because in the end, they have created a diamond from. A not a very miserable place and it's a, like i said in my little thing it's a testament to them their talents their songwriting that they've done this so um any any final thoughts bro or should we wrap it up uh the same listen to yeah. the album <laughs> and you last listen to this album in two years baby. oh do you know, this is what i'm saying man. it's interesting that there's, there's not there's nothing bad on it it's just like I, said, I don't need to say it again just it didn't it doesn't always connect for me but the songs individually they all could be singles and they are all fantastically written they've taken so much time to make sure that everything that needed to be there was there. And the thing that tops it all off is the production. It just sounds fantastic. And because of the production, as well as the songwriting, you've now essentially, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to thank this album. I'm not going to say this album's responsible for eighties pop, but it had to have had an influence because. Oh yeah, for sure. It did yeah. influence everyone who came after it. And yeah. uh, just, just one thing that uh, we said, the, 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 the production is really good. Uh, it's the two things that keep the album together are the two like most. Uh, I, I think they're the two ends of the artistic uh, process is the feeling behind the songwriting and the production. So you have the most emotional yeah. aspect of of creating music and the most technical aspect of creating music, which is the production. So those two things they kind of kept the band together and the music together. That's a fantastic point, man. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Long Live Rock and Roll podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, As usual, don't need to tell you where to find us anymore, Felipe. Tell us where they can find them. You can find us on the internet. There we go. Uh, So thank you very much. Uh, As usual, playlist will be at the bottom of the show notes. It'll have the whole album in, plus uh, any other songs we've mentioned. Um, Have a great week, guys, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Yeah, guys, have a good time. I hope you enjoyed the show and uh, keep on rocking, everyone. And finally, take care, everyone, and long live rock and roll.